Hello and welcome back to our Meet the Analyst series here at Bell Direct. I'm Grady Wolf, Market Analyst at Bell Direct. This is our part two video with Dr. Tara Speranza, Healthcare Analyst at Bell Potter, covering a few different stocks that she analyzes and puts obviously ratings and price targets on with Bell Potter. Now, Dr. Tara, we've talked about a few stocks already. Now we'll dive into the next few today. Um, so FDA approval for the first live microbial therapeutic by Fairings happened last year. What does this mean for the sector and for especially for microbial? in 2023? Yeah, okay, so this is a really good question. Um, Faring had submitted to the FDA um, a biologic license application for their drug called uh, Rebiota, and this is a, um, a fecal biotherapeutic, so a single strain organism that they've um, taken and grown up from a healthy human that they now place back into those that have got a particular uh, disease that causes terrible diarrhea and uh, stomach upset and can be deadly in children um, called C. difficile. So Faring has had their new biotherapeutic approved, first one approved as a proper therapeutic drug. Um, and it was really interesting because I think there was quite a race on. There are a number of companies looking to treat C. difficile in particular. Uh, Ferry got there first, and there are a few still in the race, actually, so it's quite a large indication, not so much in Australia, but in African, African countries, but also in the US. Um, so this was really, really good because no other company has ever had a biotherapeutic approved, so that's a single microbiomes, micro, um, microbial strain approved to put back into the gut. Now, Microba have two components to their business. One of them is testing, so we can talk about that in a moment, but the other part is this live biotherapeutics that we're talking about, similar to Faring's drug. Microba are not looking to treat C. difficile. So the difference here is that Microba um, are much earlier stage, so we haven't seen them put any of their microbial therapeutics into humans just yet, although we're hoping that within the next month or two, oh. we'll start to see phase one trials. So still very early, in my opinion, a little bit early to be putting that into the valuation, which I haven't done just yet, yeah. but got a keen eye on it, and I really like looking at all their uh, data that comes through. They've got some mouse data for two indications, one being uh, IBD or um, bowel syndrome, yeah. so um, irritable bowel syndrome, and the other one um, that they're looking at at the moment is to determine whether or not one of their um, micro biome therapeutics can actually improve patients' responses to some of those immuno-oncology drugs that I talked about before, like Keytruda, for example. So yeah. a lot of people don't respond to them, and Microba have a theory from data that they have that perhaps that has a little bit to do with our microbiome. So still a long way off for the biotherapeutics for Microba, but very interesting and positive that we've had a first FDA approval in that type of drug treatment. Yeah, so hit the ground running. Yeah, it's very exciting. Now, they have a strategic partnership with Sonic Healthcare. Can you tell us a bit about this, what's involved and how, how good this is for the company? Yeah, so I said that there are two parts to this company, one being this looking at clinical testing of biotherapeutics, and the second is the testing. So this is a test that um, Microba have. Uh, you take a sample from a patient or from yourself, etc., and, and you send it usually via one of Microba's distribution partners, and then it gets analysed by the platform that Microba have developed. And this is probably the world's leading platform in terms of determining the microbial or genetic makeup of your microbiome, the DNA in your in your gut of all the microbes, and you can compare it kind of to healthy patients. And you know they have a huge database of how this um, of, of different microbial genetics, 
And so we can determine if your gut health is good or bad or where it might be going wrong and what kind of thing might help. So that's the testing part of microbiome, and that's where actually any of their revenues are currently coming in. So signing with Sonic means that they've signed up with one of the biggest, world's biggest um, pathology testing and diagnostics companies. Sonic will take them not just throughout Australia, but also throughout the US and North America. Um, and really, what what I like about this is um, the most important things is that Sonic have access to all of the general practitioners. So now you go into your doctor's office, they're going to drop down their menu to see which tests to send you off for. All of a sudden, microbes test is going to be on. Wow. So that has really ramped up my sales and pushed me from a halt to a buy. Yes. So um, I think this is a terrific um, partnership. Sonic took a 20% or almost 20% equity stake in the company, Microba, and um, provided them with an $18 million initial um, capital for that equity wow. stake. They're also providing Microba with their expertise. So one of their medical directors is now on the scientific and advisory board another really big game for the company. Yeah. Well, yeah. with Sonic's backing, it's uh, kind of one thing that everyone looks for in the That's right. industry, right? Yeah. Um, so does this play into, we're talking about revenue, you expect revenue to triple by 2025. Does that kind of play into it? What's Absolutely, the key driver? yeah. So Sonic being one of the main drivers in terms of their distribution of the testing, but not just that. Microba have, in my opinion, been one of the most impressive companies in terms of signing and executing distribution partnerships. So they've got a huge amount of the work covered now, including, including non-exclusive coverage, which means that they can have more than one company so, um, distributing the tests in uh, you know, co-localised geography. Yeah. Uh, and it usually takes about two years for us to see the ramp up in revenue from the um, signing and execution of the deal to revenue income. So wow. this is why 2025 is going to be the big year. So just to remind you that we're talking about revenues from about the four to the 14 million or yeah. five to 15. So these are not huge revenues yeah. just yet and not quite taking the company to profitability. Yes. So talking about profitability, what will it take to become for Microba to become profitable? Well, I actually think Microba can become profitable without the biotherapeutic um, asset. Yeah. However, it won't be the biggest year on new growth uh, in terms of you know these sort of biotech stocks, so I think the you know in the future a really huge or um, enormous ramp up in profits uh, would be off the back of an approval of one of their biotherapeutics. Having said that, just want to reiterate that I do think this company can become profitable yeah. without that with testing alone. Yeah, so it's one to watch at the moment, and you have a buy rating on it. So very exciting for Microba. Now, our third stock we're discussing today is Monash IVF. It's one of the ones I love talking about on the different media outlets we talk about it on. Um, what does 2023 look like for Monash IVF? Yeah, look, I like Monash as well. Monash, I think, is going to have quite a good 2023. Uh, we've seen some very big increases in IVF cycle numbers across Australia during the pandemic. So. At the very start of uh, 2020, we saw a little bit of a drop-off, but that's because all non-essential medical um, appointments were closed as lockdown occurred. But then IVF was allowed to open back up again. And I think, you know, we saw a huge increase in IVF cycle numbers in Australia and across the world 
in the pandemic as people reassess their lives, reassess their priorities, bought houses in the country <laughs> and decided to focus on family and we saw huge increases in cycle numbers. So whilst the year-on-year -year growth may not have been quite as big from 22 to what I think 23, we aren't seeing any drop-off in cycle numbers so far from the Medicare numbers that I've looked at to date. Yeah. So 6% growth is my prediction for FY23, um, although I think that's going to keep increasing to 15% year-on-year growth in FY24, and we can get into that in a moment. Yeah, talking about growth, there's a lot of uh, kind of priority and emphasis and knowledge around the world of people kind of re reassessing where they're at in life, and women are working longer, and there's more need for these services. How have these program or how has this demand really factored into your weighting of the company? Yeah, look, I agree 100%. I think there are a lot of what I call worthwhile reasons that women put off having children until a little bit later. However, that does make it from a biological standpoint a little bit more difficult to fall pregnant naturally. Uh, as well as that, we have a number of other reasons that people can't fall pregnant. Yeah. So all of these definitely factor into um, my model and in particular talking about the other things besides just putting off having children you know we understand a lot more about genetics these days and what kinds of genetic impact ha has on fertility uh, and of course we can do a lot more screening and the really interesting thing is that this year november 23 the government is bringing in a new medicare rebate for what we call um, carrier tests so genetic carrier tests so that's wow. where mum and dad can both get tested before trying to have babies so not just testing the embryo after yeah. the embryo has been created but testing mum and dad pre having the child or undergoing ivf and this will allow them to make a decision about whether or not they start ivf sooner or if they start at all so up to now, that test costs anywhere between $600 and $2,000, so that's actually um, prohibitive for a lot of people. With Medicare rebate, that's going to change everything, and we're going to see, I think, a big uptick in numbers. Yeah. yeah. Now, the company has, it's not just IVF, they have egg freezing, they have sperm bank, they have so many different divisions and um, x-ray everything, really, mm -hmm. um, to do with reproduction. Now, yeah. what is the key driver of, of revenue and growth, and has this changed over the years? Yes, so uh, ultrasound is the other really big part of the group's revenue, but none of these add up to the type to the types of revenue that full cycles bring. Yeah. So you're yeah. quite right. We yeah. do they do egg freezing and sperm banking, um, and uh, other fertility treatments. But yes, full fertility cycles or full IVF or IVF ICSI cycles mm -hmm. are the real revenue makers for this company. So what drives that though is the number of doctors that they have on yeah. staff. So the number of doctors has changed quite a lot throughout, say, the last decade. Uh, in 2017, they lost a group of really popular doctors down in Melbourne. They also lost another very popular female doctor down in Melbourne. And we saw immediate impacts on revenue the yeah. following year. What is good about Monash, though, I think, is that they've recovered those numbers again, and so we're really getting back up to the pre-2017 cycle numbers, uh, and that's driving the revenue. Um, another thing to point out, though, is whilst I said that the cycle numbers really overshadow things like ultrasound, ultrasound is important, and we saw ultrasound was locked out, but was stopped altogether with the lockdowns across yeah. Australia. Um, and also we had a shortage in the number of sonographers in the nice. past couple of years, 
both of those things have recovered. So I do think, even though it's small, it will have a, a, a quite a good impact on our revenue for the company in the next year or two. Now, the company is facing legal action from 2019 and 2020. What impact has this had on the company so far? And is it set to have any further impact moving forward? Yeah, so I think that, you know, um, this is the sort of thing that gets beaten up in the media a little yeah. bit. This was um, some specific test outcomes that were developed by a doctor who isn't at the company anymore. Yeah. Um, of course, the ramifications on the females is not good, and I'm not suggesting that, but the company will be covered by professional indemnity insurance, which should cover any of the costs of this going forward. Beautiful. And now we're talking about this off camera. Um, just about the MasterChef effect, now there is a TV show coming out about IVF in Australia with some people telling their journeys and stories and what impact do you think this might have, if any, or tailwinds, headwinds for, um, for Monash? Yeah, look, usually I'd be a little bit cynical about this kind of thing, but we have seen the MasterChef effect, you know, everybody suddenly became a foodie. <laughs> so whether or not the fact that it's coming in conjunction with the um, uh, full Medicare coverage for that genetic carrier testing. I think the dual effect of those is that we might see an increase in number of, of IVF cycles in Australia, which will positively flow through to Monash. Yeah, it's a very interesting time and space to be in and watching how Monash progresses over 2023. Dr. Tara Speranza, thank you so much for your time today. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did filming it. Thanks so much, Gravy. That was great.